Welcome to the Bible Foundations program. I'm your host, Jerry Smythe, and it's a delight to have you with us again today. As we look at our timeline or our chronological chart of events that have taken place so far in our studies, right from the Word of God, that is from Genesis 1 to chapter uh, 22 that we'll be looking at today, we realize that God has revealed himself in, ter- in eternity past, that he always existed as God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, one God, and yet demonstrating himself to us as three persons. He actively demonstrates himself to us throughout the time uh, that we have up till now. Scripture reminds us in Psalm 90, verse 2, it says, From everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. So we recognize that God lived in eternity past, and he created the angels uh, to be his servants, to be those who would be uh, able to carry out his will and desires. And there were those who rebelled. That's how we know about Satan and his followers, the evil spirits, and the New Testament calls them devils. I personally don't like to call them demons because demons is a Greek word for deity. And they're not deity. They're in no way like God. They are created beings. And they were created to be in subjection to God. So they are not a deity in any way. They are God's created servants. And those who rebelled against God have chosen to become his enemies and warriors against his will and plans. Then we see God creating the heavens and earth. That's day one for us, you might say, in our timeline of discovery, in our timeline of oxygen and earth uh, and all the things that are necessary to sustain life as we know it. And as people lived on the earth, as Cain, uh, that is, as Adam and Eve were born and Cain and Abel and then Seth, then our timeline moves on and we see that uh, many years passed by and there was uh, those that were born uh, to Adam through Seth and Enos, Canaan, Mahalaleel, Jared, Enoch, Methuselah, Lemek, and so on. Right on down to Noah. And then we see from Noah's time there was Shem, Arafat, Zed, Canaan, uh, Shelah, Eber, Peleg, Ru, and Serug, and Nahor, and Terah, and Abraham. And Abraham lived about 2,000 years. Now, lots of things have taken place. And sometimes they're only mentioned a little bit in the Bible. But they're the record that God has given. The record that is the real life history of mankind as it unfolds. And so as we approach the uh, passage of Scripture that we're uh, we're going to address today, we recognize that about 2,000 years have gone, gone by since God created the heavens and the earth. Since God gave his special instruction and communion with Adam and Eve and told them how to pass on knowledge of himself, even though they refused to come to God God's way, they refused to repent. And God took them out of the garden for their own protection. Yet he did not turn his back on them. He called out to them in the garden and he provided clothing for them. And he said, this is the way you can come to me. And this is the only way. And you can't come to me unless you come my way. Well, God passed down that teaching to them and they taught all others since then. And so we see that God taught us through his word And through the word of those who were born outside of the garden, born separated from God, and they had to tell their children or their children wouldn't know anything about God. And that's precisely what happened with Cain's descendants. 
You see, Cain lived uh, quite a while longer, and he had many children, but his descendants refused to acknowledge God at all, so much so that they infected even the descendants of Shem, except for those who came to God God's way. And one of those who came down to God's to God's way was Noah. And Noah was accepted by God, not because he wasn't a sinner, but because he believed God and came to God God's way. That's what we see Abram doing. You see, Abram did it before he was Abraham. As he was called the uh, Abram, the uh, father, the exalted father, we see that he still made sacrifice to God with the sacrifice of a blood animal and a reminder that the payment for sin was death. He knew that the payment for sin, for his sin, was death, although forgiveness of sin could not come through the blood of an animal. God was teaching us as he was teaching all of those before Abraham, and now he teaches us through Abraham. And that's what today's lesson is all about. We've learned as we've seen God communicating with Abraham that he believed that he sacrificed. He came God's way. You see, Abraham was teachable. And God loves to communicate with somebody who's teachable. And he gives him more understanding of himself. And then more of an understanding of himself. And you know what he's doing there? He's teaching you and I. You see, the Bible tells us that faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. Abraham had heard how God had dealt with his ancestors. And he believed and he came to God God's way. Because that word of God was passed down in that day by word of mouth. Today it comes to us directly from God's word, the Bible. It was breathed by God into those who wrote it down so that we would have an accurate historical record of God and his interactions with man and how very much he de desires for us to know him. In our recent lessons, we've come to conclude that Abram believed God and God credited Abram's faith to him as righteousness. God put righteousness in his account where sin had been, you see. Because he believed God, God credited righteousness to him. You see, his bank account with God had been in the red because of his sins. But God put righteousness into Abram's account because he believed. This righteousness given to him was a gift of God. And that's the reason that Abram was fully, or Abraham was fully acceptable to God. And that's what God wants us to learn. You see, he wants us to learn that we can only come to him in his way, and we can only come if we believe the record that he has given about himself. Now today, we're going to study one of the greatest tests of faith in Abram's life. This is a true test of Abram's, Abraham's belief in God. But it's more important, it's more important that we understand that this is not about Abraham's faith alone, Abraham's faith alone. It is that Abraham had a faithful God whom he could trust. Abraham had a faithful God whom he could trust. You see, God is the central focus of our study as he is in the whole Bible. He's the central theme, the central focus of all that is recorded in the word of God. Now you remember that Abraham and Sarah were old. They were too old to have children, in fact. Sarah had passed the time of her womanhood to be able to have children. She was 90 years of age, and uh, Abraham was 100 years of, time, uh, of age. In fact, the idea seemed silly at first. 
And Abram laughs as he falls on his face before God, and God reveals to him that this is going to take place, that he will keep his promise. And then Sarah laughs in her heart when God said that she would have a child. She'd never had a child up to 90 years of age, and she knew that it was naturally impossible for her to have a child at 90 years of age. But nothing is impossible with God. You see, he can do whatever he wants to do, and he's faithful, he keeps his word, and he never changes. And now many years have been passed since that first promise God had given to Abram uh, to have a son, but God hadn't forgot his promise. You see, God had not changed his mind. Sarah had a son just as God had promised. She did have that child at 90 years of age, and Abram and Sarah called their son Isaac. Let's read about him in Genesis chapter 1, verses 1, 21, verses 1 to 3. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age, at the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son that was born to him, whom Sarah bare to him, Isaac. Oh, my friend, here we see that God is supreme and sovereign once again. You see, he and he alone could decide to give Abraham and Sarah a son because he's the creator of all people and all things. You see, God gives life. He could give life to that child in the womb of, Abra of, of Sarah, and he gives life to all people everywhere. He gave life to our ancestors, and he gave life to you and to me and to our children. And you see, God is the giver of life. And this world and everyone in it belongs to God. Abraham and Sarah belong to God, and their son Isaac belonged to God. God had kept his word even though it had taken a long time. It seemed especially a long time to Abraham and Sarah, and times had gone long where they had taken things into their own hands, and there were consequences to that that affect our world today. But you see, God kept his promise, and he promised that a son would be born to Abraham and, uh, and Sarah, and here is Isaac, their son, has now been born. Now many years pass by, and we don't have a whole lot of details about this young man growing up, but we know that his father and his mother loved him very much. The neat thing is that in daily life, Abraham practiced what he preached. He practiced what he believed. And Abraham believed that all of God's promises concerning the coming deliverer were going to be fulfilled through Isaac and his descendants. And then one, guy, one day, God told him to do a most unexpected and an extremely difficult thing. Now, God entrusted a very difficult time of life to Abraham because he knew that Abraham trusted him. The evidence was there. He believed God, and he kept believing God. Back in chapter 18, verse 19, we see a special glimpse into God's view of what was going on inside of Abraham's heart. God could see into the heart of Abraham, just as he can see into your heart and mine, you see. And here's what God says about what was going on in the heart of Abraham, chapter 18, verse 19. For I know him, that is I, God speaking, God is speaking, I know him that he will command his children and his household after him, 
and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken of him. You see, God saw right into the heart of Abraham, and he knew that he could trust him with a difficult thing. And now he expects Abraham to be obedient to him as he gives him his latest instruction. Now, friends, this instruction might be very shocking to you. It might be something that you consider to be very unreasonable. And certainly God will not test you with this thing. But he did it for Abraham because he wanted to show you and I something. That's how much God loves you and I. You see, God didn't just write a historical record. He wrote a, prof a prophetical record as well. He gave teaching to those who loved him and believed him all the way through Scripture so that you and I could have solid foundations on which to base our faith. We would be able to see the faithfulness of God in the lives of real live people in historical record that believed God and God showed himself faithful to them. You see, these are not stories of Adam and Eve. These are not stories of Noah and the flood and all the animals. These are not stories about a person named Abraham and Sarah. These are the stories of God. These are the story of God's faithfulness to people, people whom he has given life to, he, the faithfulness of God to you and I. Now let's look at how God has asked this very difficult thing of Abraham. Read along with me, if you will, please, in Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 and 2. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here am I. And he, that is God, said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon the one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning, and saddled his ass, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up, and went unto the place of which God had told him. Now God was testing Abraham to see which he loved more. Abraham, do you love this son that I've promised you? Do you love him more than you love me? Do you love your son Isaac? Yes, I know that, that I've promised you that all of the, the descendants that would become, and through uh, Isaac would all the nations of the earth, would all the people of the earth be blessed. But do you love him more than you love me? Now, friends, just what authority did God have to tell Abraham to take his son and offer him as a sacrifice like this? Did God have the right to tell him to do a thing like that? Oh, my friend, can you imagine the anxiety? Well, I can imagine the anxiety that'd be in my heart. But you know, the Bible tells us that Abraham had an unusual faith in God. He believed God was able to do anything at all. And he believed that if he committed his son to the care of God, that somehow it would work out all right. Let's look on and see. Just think about what's going on here. See, nobody had the right to tell him what to do about God, just as your neighbor does not have the right to tell you what to do with your children or your house or your, your car or your possessions or anything like that, because they're yours. They belong to you. But you see, Isaac belonged to Abraham. 
wasn't Isaac Abraham's son? Didn't Abraham have authority over Isaac? Sure he did. Isaac was Abraham's son, but who gave Isaac his life? Who gave Isaac to Abraham and Sarah in the first place? God did. You see, Isaac really belonged to God. And God gives life to every person and every living thing because God created everything. You see, that's why God has the authority over all people and all things. Now, what a surprise as we see that Abraham is being test. What a tremendously difficult test. Has Had God changed his mind about Isaac and his promises there? I don't think so. How could God's promises be fulfilled if uh, through Isaac if Abraham killed him? Had God changed his mind? Had God decided that the deliverer would not be one of Isaac's descendants? How did Abraham respond? Well, my friend, even though Abraham was told to offer Isaac as a sacrifice, he did not doubt or question God. He accepted what God had said. How could he respond like this? You see, he knew God and he believed God. He knew that God would not lie. God had made him a promise about the descendants of Isaac. And he had said, through Isaac shall these descendants be. See, and God, he knew that God would not give him his promises and then change his mind. You see, that's why he trusted God and believed that God would still keep his word. Wasn't it an impossible thing for man to do? Well, you see, Abraham was just like you and I. He's a person just like you and I. And this test of faith was terribly difficult. We might even say it was impossible. But Abraham had put his full trust in God. He had come to realize that God never fails. Perhaps the reason our faith fails so often is that it's hard for us to imagine one who never fails to keep his word. Oh, I know that our friends and our relatives and even our family and our own intentions are, uh, intentions are often very good, but we just don't follow through. We get busy or tired or distracted or we fail to do what we promise really quite regularly. You see, God is not like us. Abraham discovered just as each person needs to discover for himself, just as you and I need to discover for ourselves, that God never fails. He never fails to keep his promises. He always promises and carries through with what he has promised to do. You see, we can fully trust him, and that's why God wants us to believe him. He wants us to accept the record and believe him. We have a rec recording in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 19 about Abraham. You see, there it says that Abraham believed that even if he did kill Isaac in obedience to God, that God would raise Isaac from the dead. God could raise Isaac from the dead. Now, he knew that that was impossible from man's perspective, but he wasn't trusting in man. He was trusting in God, the giver of life, who had promised that all the peoples of the earth would be blessed through this descendant, Isaac. And he trusted God to do just that. You see, Abraham was different from Adam and Eve. When they were in the garden, God had told them not to eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For if he did... Uh, they did. In that day, they would surely die. But when Satan told Eve that they wouldn't die, Adam and Eve both believed Satan. They doubted the word of God and disobeyed him. Adam and Eve did not believe God, but Abraham did. 
He believed that God would keep his word. And because Abraham believed and trusted God, he immediately made preparations to go to the place where God promised to lead him. He didn't wait around and mope about it for days, cry about it and beat himself before God. Why are you allowing this to happen in my family? He just began to get on the move. Oh, my friend, there is an example of faith. Let's continue to read the account together from verses 3 to 5 in chapter 22 of Genesis. And Abraham arose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young man, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again unto you. I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again unto you. Oh, do you see what the heart of Abraham was? He was obedient to God. And with a clear conscience now, he was able to trust God and go on and exercise the faith that God had extended to him and with which God was pleased. Let's read on, verses 6 and 7. By the way, did you notice in that verse 5 that I and the lad will go up yonder, he says to these two young men who are watching the donkey, and he says, and we will worship and come again unto you. He didn't even waver as he marched toward the place where he would kill his son in an or he was to kill his son in obedience to God. No one else has ever been asked to be tested this way. God is not going to test you this way, for he had a special purpose in unfolding his plan of the coming deliverer just through this. Let's read on. Let's see what happens. Verses 6 and 7. Follow along with me, if you will, please. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac, his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they both went of them together. And they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Now, there wasn't any debate going along here between Isaac and his father. Isaac didn't still understand what all was happening, but there's no question about the fact that he had witnessed many sacrifices. This was not a first time. He knew that a lamb was going to be killed, that there would be a substitute as a reminder that the payment for sin is death. And he didn't question about all this, but he couldn't understand why they hadn't taken a sheep with them to do the sacrifice with. And Abraham told, had not told Isaac, you see, what all God had told him up to this point. Now in verse 8 we read, And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. Again, we see this faith that's based on God's reality, you see, the interaction that he had personally experienced with God, and now he could trust him in this most difficult task. You see, Abraham trusted God. Believing God is the most important thing we could do. Just listening to a sermon or even hearing or reading the words of the Bible will not deliver you and I from Satan's control, you see. We must accept God's word and trust in him. 
Now let's explain that like this. If you were sick and went to a doctor and he prescribed you some medicine, would it benefit you if he only told you about the medicine and how it could heal you? Would just listening to him tell you about it heal you? You see, only listening to God's word will not help us. If we only listen but refuse to believe, then we're just doing what Satan did when he spoke to Eve. You see, we're calling God a liar. God will never accept those who refuse to believe him. God accepts those, only those who, like Abraham, believe all that God says and trust only in him. Why is it that we have such a hard time believing? Well, my friend, we're born without spiritual life. We're born without a desire to know and do God's will. Man is a sinner. He's born separated from God, and we're helpless to save ourselves. Now, the facts are that God is still today holy and righteous, and he demands death as the payment for sin. The death penalty still rests. Now, let's go on and see what God is teaching us through Genesis chapter 22, verses 9 and 10. Verse 9 says, And they came to the place which God had told him of, and Abraham built an altar there. And he laid the wood in order, and bound Isaac his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand, and he took the knife to slay his son. Abraham by this time was so sure of the promises of God that he just kept going the way God told him to do. He didn't turn around and buck, and it's interesting that Isaac didn't buck. Now, Isaac must have been a pretty good-sized young man by this time. But you see, because Abraham knew his God, he had confidence in God, and he had confidence that God would even raise up Isaac if he did have to put the knife to him, you see. And we see that there was no escape for Isaac. It's important that we understand that there was no escape from Isaac. You see, for Isaac. He was bound as he was laid on the altar. And Abraham lifted and picked up that knife and had it over him to kill him. God had commanded Abraham to offer Isaac as a sacrifice, and there was no way of escape for Isaac once he was on the altar. Now let's just recount some of our other foundational truths that we've studied together for a moment in light of this situation. You see, it was the same way when God shut the door after Noah, when God shut the door of the ark after Noah and his family and all of the animals were safe inside. There was no escape for the people outside of the ark who didn't believe God, and they were shut out. And let's remember, too, that there was no escape for the people in the wicked cities of Sodom and Gomorrah when God sent down the fire on them. There was no escape for Lot's wife when she disobeyed God and looked back at the city of Sodom. And God saved Noah, and uh, God saved his family from the flood. And God saved Lot and his daughters from the fire which destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. You see, only God could save Isaac from being killed. Is there any way that we can save ourselves from death and everlasting punishment for our sins? No, my friend, there is nothing we can do to save ourselves. Going to church won't cut it, my friend. Doing right things, taking best of care to our families, and even being concerned for those who are less fortunate than ourselves will not bring us into a right relationship with God. We cannot pay for sins on our own, my friend. 
We cannot save ourselves. God will punish all sin, and no one can escape from that. God and only God can make a way of escape. Do you know what God did here? Well, let's read on and see what he does as we look on into Genesis chapter 2, verses 10 to 12. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called out to him in heaven, out right out of heaven, and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thy hand upon the, on the lad neither do thou anything unto him. For I know now that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son. Oh, my folks, Abraham had believed God, and because he believed God, God saved his son Isaac, you see. God saved Isaac. God told Abraham to kill his son. Isaac couldn't be saved anyway unless there was another suitable sacrifice to offer God. And Abraham and Isaac didn't have a suitable sacrifice with them. But God had provided another offering instead of Isaac. And Abraham could not provide the, the, uh, uh, the sacrifice himself. It was God who graciously provided the ram instead of Isaac. Let's look on, Genesis 22:13. And Abram lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his thorns. And Abram took and went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. Well, that's all we have time for in this particular session. But we see that God provided the way for Isaac to be spared, you see. And God is the provider for all of our needs.